Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Marginally Offside podcast. I'm Luke and as always I'm joined by my co-host Dan. Hello there. And Alex. Hello. Now I know how diehard fans from India to Vietnam to Kenya have all been waiting a week for what is about to come. Alex Lection, can you hit us with your question please? So in the light of the Merseyside derby this weekend, my question is, how many red cards have there been in the Merseyside derby in the Premier League era? I mean, that's that's a good question. You think it's a, a feisty derby. There's there's going to be more than um, normally would be. So yeah, that's that's one to ponder on. And you know, we're going to talk about the Merseyside derby in this episode today. But before we start, let's talk about a game that happened today uh, on Sunday. And that's West Ham versus Tottenham. West Ham absolutely flying. Uh, Tottenham, the opposite. Uh, do you think it's the end of an era for Mourinho? Or has he still got time left at Tottenham? No, oh, his days are numbered. His days are numbered. I mean, they've, they're sitting in, what, ninth or tenth position in the league? considering they were top before Christmas and everyone was saying about them having a title charge, it's very similar to watching him in, at, in at United in his final season at United. He's called out players um, and then subsequently tried to play them today. Bale actually looked all right. Deli Ali was playing as well. Um, but ultimately they got beat and they were pretty poor, to be perfectly honest. Didn't deserve to get anything from the game. And then he comes out and says his methods are second to none. I mean... He's not won a major trophy. Well, I say a major trophy. He's not won a trophy you'd consider a top manager like Mourinho to win um, for a long time, since his Chelsea second stint. He's, I mean, he won the Europa League, the Community Shield, and the League Cup at United, but that's they're all kind of second-rate trophies, aren't they, for big teams? Spurs have got the Carling Cup, whatever, but does that justify the turgid style of football that he plays? Well, no. I, I think one winning seven for Tottenham is completely unacceptable and you know if, if it was anyone other than Mourinho I think you know he's, he's definitely got to go whether Daniel Levy's thinking you know it's Mourinho I might give him a bit extra he's, he's on a big contract um, you know that could factor into it and also he is in the League Cup final I, I don't know if it, you allow him that at least or you sack him before and hope to turn around your form and maybe push towards the, the Europa League or the Champions League spots I think the Champions League spots are already out of question to be honest I think you've seen a decline in Mourinho for for a long time now, really. You think he came back to Chelsea to to win the Champions League and he only got the Premier League. He came to Man United to win the Premier League. He only won the trophies you talk about. You know, there's there's no shame in winning any of those, but uh, it's not what they actually thought. You know, when Bobby Charlton didn't want him, we're going to sell a bit of the, the club's soul for. And I suppose Tottenham fans feel a little bit similar in that... Um, you know, he, he's he's uh, the polar opposite to Pochettino, who played such exciting football and got the results for them as well. And I think when you look at it now, he's been brought in to win the FA Cup and finish top four minimum, really, hasn't he, to be a success. If he gets League Cup and Europa League, um, in fact, even the uh, Europa Conference League, if they win the League Cup and... Uh, so... Yeah, that would really show the real decline of Mourinho. Do you, do you think you'll get more time? No. Um, you look at his stats, actually. I, I, there, was a, there was a stat today about how he's got 81 points in 50 Premier League games since he took over at Spurs, which is his worst record at any of the teams he's been at. Yeah, but I still think... I think he's 
I think he's going to get to the end of the season, and then and then you see what happens next season because, and then even you're not sure because, you know what? Two months ago they were top of the league, and now they've done this. I'd have said he gets the first half of next season, but then if you're telling me they're going to be top of the league then and then fall off again, um, I think if they don't win the league cup and don't end up in Europe, he's a definite goner. Um, yeah, same. But I mean, I'm I'm not totally convinced he's going to get that long. Um, you said that you know you think he gets to the end of the season. I think it's a decision Levy has to make, and he has to make soon because I mean he could very easily go this week. I'm I'm not saying he will, but on the on the run of form he's on, you know, it's a sackable run of form. Um, but yeah, he's, well, the thing is, right, is he went to Tottenham, who have got at the time he took over had a miles better team than United because this was prior to Bruno Fernandes. Um, and he said it on the documentary. This is a miles better team, and they've un- they've been below United in both seasons. He celebrated getting to the Europa League on the Palace touchline at Sellers Park last year, which was a piss take. I mean, he's made some very good players look very very average. I'll admit he's improved Kane slightly in terms of defensive work rate, but he's he's got a world class or an ex world class player in Bale on the bench. He finally gives him some game time. I mean, he nearly scored an absolute thunder. You know, striker today. It was a it was a great effort, and unluckily at the bar. But they had, they had a great team: Son, Kane, Ali, bringing Bale in, Mora, Alderweireld, Larice, who I don't really rate as a keeper, but he's still, you know, he's still highly rated by some people. Um, they've they've got a they've got a very good squad. They've got a squad that shouldn't be sitting at ninth in the league, but they've got they're nine points off. Nine points off West Ham, I think, and they've got a game in hand. So they win that. There's, there's six points. And in this crazy season, Alex says that top four is completely out of the question, but Leicester threw it away with a bigger lead last year. No, I didn't say so, it was out of the question. You know, I, I, I said it, it doesn't look likely, which is true. But like you say, everyone's dropping points. So you wouldn't rule it out. And if they, I think it's more the fact that this is a manager that we're deemed to be an elite level manager for, you know, the, the, the whole of the time. You know, since we, you know, got into football really, and um, yeah. and um, like I said, if if they finish seventh or, or they win the the um, uh, league cup and get into this Europa Conference League, which obviously not a lot of people know a lot about, particularly, it it, it just shows what a decline it is because it, it, Mourinho wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't even look at that competition. He wouldn't even look twice at it. And now it might be the best he's going to do with Tottenham, a bit on the back of maybe winning a League Cup. Do you think he retires in the summer and goes out on his terms, albeit not actually on his terms? Do you reckon they give him an option of either resign or we fire you? There's no way he's going to retire with his career ending like this. He'll go abroad and he'll go somewhere where he can win a couple of trophies, I think. But where? But where? Where does he where does he go? Where, who takes a chance on him now? But he could easily go back to Portugal, win the league there, and be like, "Look, I've ended a cha- I've ended as a champion." Uh, there's no way he retires after Tottenham. He's not even sixty yet, is he? I, I think I think as well to, to give him some credit. You know, they are in the league cup final, and Tottenham are second favourites. Bookie's second favourites for the Europa League, and if they win the Europa League, they're obviously into the Champions League next season. So. You know, I'd argue it could still be a successful season, regardless of where they finish in the Premier League. They win the League Cup. I mean, that's their first trophy in God knows how long. And then if they do manage to win the Europa League, they're in the Champions League next season. And 
there you go. Fresh start to next season. They're already in the Champions League and they've got a trophy under their belt. So he could potentially still turn this around, to be honest, but it's just whether uh, he'll be allowed that time. But even if he wins the League Cup, he'll do the thing of I've won a trophy at every single club I've been at, which is a record not to be sniffed at in fairness. But it, has, has it been good enough? Has he, has he been worth the money he's getting paid? Has he been the elite level manager that we've, as Alex said, become accustomed to? No, he hasn't. And he hasn't been since the end of his first season at his second stint at Chelsea. He's second. pissed players off. He's just an angry... He's just an angry manager now. He's not the guy that came in full of charisma in 2003, 2004, whenever it was at Chelsea, and, and really took the league by storm. He's a shell of what he used to be, and probably since he left Madrid, actually, because he seemed to go to Real and then come back after that a bit, kind of like, well... Maybe you know. he was a happy one, wasn't he, when he came back? But maybe maybe this is the thing that, you know, you're saying he's the shell of a man, and it's like, well, a lot of managers that were the, the shell of themselves, if you like, have ended up getting teams um, relegated and all sorts of things. So t- to say that a manager that's obviously not quite the level he once was could still win the Europa League and the League Cup this year, it, you know, it just shows how high his standards are, really. Well, he'll, he'll go down as one of the greatest ever. I mean, that's a fact. I mean, he won he won a Champions League at Porto and at Inter, and the one at Inter was exceptional. He beat, obviously, Barcelona at the time, probably the best team in the world, under the pep, and they were phenomenal. And he went and did a job over there and pissed everyone in Barca off by selling, selling a break, celebrating on the pitch and... You know, he's done. He did some good things at United. I mean, we. He said the second place team that um, was Marsel City was one of his best achievements. And to be honest, he's he's probably not wrong. Um, but he's just. I'm kind of glad he's not doing it at Spurs because it's not been a case of I've gone into Spurs and turned it around and showed everyone how good I was. He's he's done much of the same as he did at United, if not worse, with a better team. So I think it's it's probably time for him to consider. Um, if it's not Levy's time to consider him moving on from Tottenham, because I don't see how he can, how he can be a success from this point, really. Because the League Cup, yeah, it's a trophy, but that's, that's not success for Tottenham. Tottenham a couple of years ago wanted to win the league. I think, yeah, Alex mentioned, you know, a couple of months ago, Tottenham were sitting top of the Premier League, and everyone's there talking, you know, Mourinho's back, he's he's got his groove back, um, but you know, that's obviously fallen apart, and everyone's back to talking about, oh, he's lost it. He needs to turn it around. And, you know, it is possible for a manager to turn it around. One manager that's done that after, you know, quite a torrid time recently is David Moyes. And he's got West Ham, West Ham United sitting in fourth place. Are are they serious Champions League contenders? You know, we are two-thirds of the way through the season now. We're waiting for them to kind of drop off a bit, but they just keep going from strength to strength. They're one of the form sides in the league. Are they going to drop off? Or are they actually genuine contenders for that Champions League spot? Well, they've got to be contenders with the, with the run they're on and the fact that they've got momentum. Momentum is such an important thing in this season. Like City have got momentum and they've now won, what, 19 games on the bounce? I mean, come on. If, if West Ham can just keep building their momentum, even if it's just a case of not losing, like everyone else seems to be pretty poor. Chelsea are hit and miss. Spurs are terrible. Arsenal are hit and miss. Everton you know, went through a bit of a stage of being a bit hit and miss. Liverpool are miles off it. West Ham are putting together really good performances and if they can keep it going and keep the momentum going, there's absolutely no doubt that they're not only a top four contender, but they're probably going to stay there. It will be interesting to see how it plays out. You said Chelsea are hit and miss, but since, you know, Tuchel's come in, they are looking a lot better. I don't know. There's precise statistics, but they haven't lost in the Premier League and they're in my play and they've got 
think maybe four wins and two draws could could be wrong there. But you know, that's uh, a team who will probably, well, if it is going to happen, that's a team they'll be rivaling against because Liverpool and Everton are hit and miss at the minute. Um, and uh, you know, maybe they could catch it with Leicester as well. So there's that. Well, well, West West Ham's last five games in the league, right? Are Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom, and Southampton. They're all winnable games. They've got a bit of a sticky patch. I think the next couple are pretty dodgy. They've got City, Leeds, United, Arsenal, Wolves, Leicester, Newcastle, Chelsea. So their next eight games are really tough, but their running is is very favourable. So if they can get through the next eight games and, and win some of the big games, they take points off United, they take points off Arsenal and Leicester, then I think they're they're right in there. Right in there. I suppose they've got a little cushion, haven't they? As well, like even if they lost to Man City and, and Leeds, they'd, they'd still be relying on Liverpool and Everton um, to win both of their matches um, to go lower than fifth. Um, obviously, it, you know, it, you just don't know these things. With Leicester, when they won the league, it was oh, they'll, they'll drop off eventually. They'll drop off eventually, and then it was like. Oh, hang on. <laughs> um, <so laughs> no, they you won't. Wonder, you wonder if that'll that'll happen. It seems that the teams that have been trying to get top four and then have dropped out. You think Leicester, obviously, last season. You know, it'd be, it'd be nice for obviously someone different to get the top four. I mean, you know, you sat here with twenty-five games gone, and Leicester and West Ham are in the top four. It'd be uh, an incredible achievement when you think they're finishing above the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool and. You know Tottenham and Arsenal, and you know the names you think would be there, but you know to their credit, they've been on a fantastic run of form, and everyone went after they lost to Liverpool. Uh, that the wheels are going to come off now because you know they've lost the game, and actually they've they've picked up um, ten points from the next last twelve. And to be honest, apart from Man City, like I said, they've got the points buffer. I don't really think they've got any reason to be too scared. You know they beat Leeds at Ellen Road. They gave Man United, you know. They played better than us for the first sixty minutes of that game. They deserved the point minimum. Well, well, the Man United, Man United uh, FA Cup game it wasn't particularly good, but you know, that's they, poor. Yeah, they, they got they 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 would have got a point out of it in the league game. Well, they <laughs> should have got a point which, out in the league game when we won three one. There's some questionable VAR decisions. Yeah, which they would have, um, which they would have taken, and and then uh, Arsenal they they seem to come up with a couple of good results against them. So. That that's them through March, and then it's like, well, if we've survived that, why not? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very impressive run, and David Moyes has come into the side, and you know, last season when he came in, he was getting a lot of stick, but he he stuck to what he knows, and I mean, it's working for West Ham. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they have, I can you really call it a second season syndrome because they've been in the Premier League so long, but you know, if they do. They drop off massively next season, but if they can get Europe, then that's a massive achievement for a club like West Ham to be playing in Europe because I think that's the the board's vision. And you can argue what you want about the board and what, but if they achieve that vision, that that's fair play to West Ham. And you know, another, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they get Europa League, I'm looking forward to the next Dom clip of Astra fucking Gugu. If I'm honest, <laughs> if they draw Astra Gugu again in the uh, qualifying <laughs> round, then, then it's a fix. <laughs> If they get the Champions League, then uh, the English teams go through automatically, I believe. Now, there's no more playoffs for the English team, so they won't have to qualify. Um, but, you know, if they slip down to... Is that really what it is now? Even if you finish I fourth? think for England, Spain and Germany... Yeah, there hasn't... Oh, right. That's there, hasn't been a, 
there hasn't been a playoff since Liverpool played uh, Hoffenheim in seventeen eighteen. Oh right, because um, they they had a rejig of all uh, what the the coefficients get you when they changed the the qualifying. So like, uh, when the champions of leagues got a different route through to the team that finished like second in Poland type type thing. But oh, I've not paid attention to that. Yeah, I did, <laughs> I tell you, you know about the new European competition coming in next year. Not, not, not. I mean, I know not, of it. Not till I'm Alex not... mentioned it ten minutes ago. <laughs> I know, I know of it. I, I'm a bit like, what's kind of going on with it? I know, I know of it. I'm not. I'm going to say I'm an expert. I'm sure Alex, Alex can describe all... it for us now. Well, I suppose the most interesting aspect of it is, is you've just said West Ham finishing fourth would automatically qualify for Champions League group stages. Um, no one automatically qualifies for the group stages of the UEFA Europa Conference League. Um, <laughs> what a mouthful that is! You, you just don't want to. Well, be it was. <laughs> well, it was. It was. <laughs> it was Europa League two, and you thought oh, that sounded And then it was like you've called it the UEFA Conference League, and of course, for, for British people, conference means fifth tier, which yeah, is not where the standard of these games are going to be. But, State um, of that. Who, who was sat in at UEFA and gone, yeah, that's a good name for a competition? Well, they've been wanting Fuck to do it since, since 2015, but uh, I guess the main thing for, for you know the British-based listeners, uh, Scotland have got an extra spot in Europe because of it, I believe, which means that um, there'll be a Scottish team in the... Conf- there should be a, a Scottish team in the uh, Europe until Christmas, um, potentially two in it, um, which is obviously good for, for them and their coefficiency. And then in England, the League Cup winner or the seventh place team so would qualify. So obviously... So uh, Tottenham in either circumstance. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, so Tottenham would be the biggest club in it by a mile. And some of the, the whole point is boosting the quality of football in the, you know, the, the, the lesser um, known nations, I guess, across Europe. Um, so that they don't have their teams knocked out, you know, in July in the Europa League qualifier, and hopefully they get into some group stage and, and some competitive action till Christmas. There, you know, getting slice of that UA for money. But yeah, basically, you say it's not a competition you you wouldn't want to be in. You know, Tottenham. I think. I mean, I haven't looked up. I mean, obviously, like I said, you can't even predict who's in it. But um, if Tottenham look quite likely, they could be in it. And uh, they'd be the biggest team in it by a mile, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, I think, is it the lead domestic cup winners or whatever second domestic cup winners in England, Spain, Germany, Italy? So I, th- I think it might actually be the cup winners of every country, and it's uh, 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 i.e., their FA Cup, but it's only yeah. in England where it's the League Cup. Winners. So, yeah, I mean, you could potentially have some big teams in Spain, Germany, Italy as well. But, you know, I think from the big nations, you're only getting one team maximum so it, it does give the um you know the lesser known nations a chance and i think you mentioned scotland getting extra space because of the i mean you could could for a first time in a long time see teams other than you know rangers and celtic in the group stage of a european competition i think scotland's coefficient has flown up as well in the last couple of seasons mainly because of what rangers have been doing um, but yeah, you said it's the uh, League Cup winners or seventh place. So if Manchester City uh, do end up winning the League Cup, it will go to seventh place, who are currently Everton. 
Um, obviously, Everton got a massive result this weekend, winning the Merseyside derby at Anfield. Uh, is seventh place a good season for Everton? Uh, I mean, I think their fans are long frustrated with how they're performing. Um, even this season, I've seen their fans turn on Carlo Ancelotti a bit, which is surprising because I do think they're having a good season. And I think realistically for Everton, seventh is, you know, arguably the best they can be doing consistently, think, at least. I, I, I think their frustrations are more the fact that they've seen teams probably like West Ham, um, who have got a worse squad on paper than Everton and have probably just got on a run and carried on going. Everton had that run at the start of the season and looked pretty imperious, didn't they? They won, what, the first five games? I'm pretty sure. They, look, they, looked, they looked a really, really good outfit. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti is a serial winner. They've brought in James Rodriguez, who's still a quality player. You know, Decore and Allen were good additions. Dominic Calvert-Lewin's having the season of his life. And, and they're still in seventh. So I kind of, you kind of see why they're probably a little bit frustrated. But at the end of the day, the reason they've now got these these expectations is because they've got decent owners who want to progress the football club. They've got a world-class manager and some very good players. So is seventh a good season for them? Yes, on paper. But considering their form, the unpredict well, the unpredictability and inconsistency of the teams around them, um, you'd probably say they could be doing better. But could couldn't every team be doing better? I'm sure they'll take their position um, a lot more than Liverpool fans will at the moment. So you can't be too greedy. But they're a very good team, and they they could easily break into the top four as well. I mean, they've got games in hand, so there's no reason why they they can't get on a run and and keep that momentum going and really challenge the top four as well. I think they, uh, I mean, I completely agree with Dan. I think all I have to add is with the unpredictability of this, of this season and how poorly Liverpool have done, Everton, I think their fans especially, I mean, you saw what it meant to the players on the pitch, but I think Everton uh, fans definitely will go, this is the best chance in a very, well, since Moyes, ironically. This, this is the best chance to finish above Liverpool in almost 10 years. And they have, I think their fans know they've got to take it if this owner, with all the money he's pumped in, is really going to see signs they're going to take to the next level. That they've got to run Liverpool close, whether that is to finish above them in sixth or if Liverpool turn it back on and go top four. Because let, let's not kill ourselves here. Everton want to outdo Liverpool and this is the season where they can after all Liverpool did last year Toffees can shut the, the red side of Stanley Park up with the, the opportunity this season is With that result as well it now means um, Charlton Millwall is the uh, second longest derby streak uh, of one side going and beat and I think Fulham Chelsea is Fulham Chelsea is supposedly the only one longer but whether you really count Fulham Chelsea as a proper derby is a, is a question for another well, day. I saw that and I didn't see you on the list, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the reason we're not on the list is because, you know, it's just, no one really cares about South East London derby. To say, let's be realistic. But to Charlton fans and Mill fans, it, it means a lot. Obviously, Mill have got the bigger derby against West Ham. But, you know, bragging rights in South East London is uh, not to be uh, scoffed at. It's funny you say about the derbies, though, because if you'd asked Everton fans at the start of the season, would they have taken a win at Anfield um, and finishing seventh? I'm pretty sure most of them would have snapped your bloody hand off. So it's it's a it's a bit like get some perspective, but at the same time, I completely understand why they're 
some of them are very frustrated. Um, and if you Hammers has been in and out recently, hasn't he? He's got injured and then you know he played against United in the in the league game and got taken off after seventy minutes because he's trying to rest him. But you know they've if anybody can get them into top four, if anybody can can keep this push going, it's Carlo Ancelotti. So you've just got our faith and enjoy the. Yeah, ride. I think I think we all agree that they're on their way up and a seventh place finish is a, a good start and a good building block for next season. Um, they've got a good team, as you've mentioned, and they can only go and improve that in the summer. Really, um, not sure they're going to lose too many of their star players. You know, apparently Hamas Rodriguez isn't a fan of the English weather, but um, you know, it's it's going to be summer soon. The sun's going to be out, twenty five degrees Celsius in Merseyside. I'm sure, sure that will change his it. mind. And yeah, you know, if, if he can get a game in front of the fans as well, I'm sure sure that could help uh, sway sway his beliefs. Um, Oh, but one position that, you know, um, arguably might need strengthening, um, and that's a long debate, is their goalkeeper slot. Do you think Pickford is realistically good enough for a European-pushing Premier League team? No. No, it's not a debate. It's not a debate at all. I I have a very strong opinion that Jordan Pickford is a very, very average goalkeeper. Um, I read an article the other day, or yesterday even, that said... Uh, when he left Sunderland, Everton were going to sell him to a bigger club for a lot of profit. That is, quite frankly, ridiculous. Um, he's got a clanger in him. I rate him similarly to Lloris, actually, because he's got a clanger in him. I think Lloris plays for a better team. But I think they're both average keepers, and I don't think Pickford should be England number one. I don't think he should be anywhere near Everton's number one. But ultimately, they're not going to go out and spend loads of money on a keeper when they spent 30 odd million on Pickford, which was the biggest keeper transfer between English clubs in history. Like, of course you're going to play him, but is he good enough for a European competition? Is he good enough to be a, a top four keeper? No, he's not. He's nowhere near. Yeah, I, f- I think this is an interesting one. And, you know, as um, I support Charlton, I'm obviously siding with Nick Pope on the England debate. And as Alex is Dyer Sunderland, he's siding with Jordan Pickford. So Dan is obviously the rational, uh, impartial one. And he's. <laughs> So, and he's vote. saying Pickford's no good. So, I mean, Alex is, saying Dean Alex is in tears. <laughs> no, I'm not, though. I'm not saying Dean Anderson. This is the thing, right? I am a big advocate. As Luke took the piss out of earlier in our chat, Luke has suggested that Craig Dawson should be on the plane to the Euros. And my response to that was, who's his partner going to be? Because is he playing better than Harry Maguire at the minute? Yes, he is. Is he playing better than John Stones at the minute? No, he's not. So do you partner Craig Dawson with John Stones? Will it happen? <laughs> no, of course it won't, because Southgate will never take him. But Henderson hasn't played. Yeah, he's done okay in the games he's played. He was good against Sausage that the other night, but he's not played consistent games for United. He cannot be England number one, which leaves the only logical choice oh. being Nick Pope. But you know what? I'd have Carl Darlow over Pickford. I would. I'd have. I'd absolutely have Carl Darwell over Pickford, considering yeah, this I'm, year's performances since that World Cup. I mean, I, I think. I think Pickford, Pickford has a lot of media attention on him. Every mistake he mis- every mistake he makes, gets scrutinised more than any other keeper. But you know, if you do look, but he made it, more errors last season than any other keeper. That's why. I think the problem is as well is people have to understand what, what these players are buying because P- Pickford was. Look, he was he was the number one when Sunderland went down, and he he did have quite a few games where he did pull off some fantastic saves. To be honest, I remember one in the last minute for us to beat Leicester, you know, but um, that won us the game. Not that it mattered in the end, clearly. 
But um, th- he's getting the same sort of treatment as Mignolet got. Mignolet, single-handedly, pun intended, kept us up the year before he went to Liverpool. And um, the amount of stick he got at Liverpool was Mignolet is... A, I'd, I'd say he was above average Premier League keeper. And what happened to Liverpool um, with him in terms of the media profile of his errors? Um, yes, like with Pickford, a team that were wanting to do a lot more than just stay up. But um, I, I think Pickford, when you look at it, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see... I'd say keepers are pretty strong in the Premier League. But I'd still say at least half the team would have him as their keeper. But it's an interesting argument you make, actually, about how he was good at Sunderland. Because I've had United fans say to me, oh, yeah, Henderson has proven he's good enough to be United number one because he was good at Sheffield United. No, that's not a, that's not a valid argument. It's completely different expectations, as Pickford has found out. Well, it's he's a Everton. lot of it is Everton's awesome. not a European team. A lot of it's the, how they play as well. Like, Mignolet was a fantastic shot stopper for us. Um, and Pickford's similar and as well with Pickford what got the attention actually with Pickford was his kicking that's that's what made everyone sit up and go wow he does something other people don't do and can launch it (laughs) and um, I I mean I suppose it's a funny one isn't it because you'd expect him to have make more saves as a Sunderland keeper than an Everton keeper and maybe there's a bit of a, a concentration issue there but complacency, isn't it? Arguably, but, he's gone to a team where he shouldn't be facing as many shots, and he's conceding more shots from the ones that he is facing. But then, when but then when you talk about England, I guess as much as I'm an advocate of, of players being picked on form, you, you've got to look at the chemistry. If you suddenly chucked in Dawson um, into the team, for example, in centre back, no, no one's played with him before. Because um, <laughs> you're about to go into a tournament. Um, I think the one thing Pickford does have is he has the experience from 2018. I think if the Euros were last year as they would have been, he'd have been unquestionably the number one. Um, even though there were question marks over him, I still think Southgate would have gone with him. This year, I'm not so sure that that's as, as obvious as it is. Um, See, I think Henderson put him under more pressure last year. If I'm honest. I, I, yeah, but Henderson was never going to be the number one for the Euros, though. Whereas no, he wasn't. Summer, I agree. Yeah, I agree. This summer, I think if ever, if if Pickford has now got to play a big part in um, Everton finishing in the top six, and uh, I mean, look, he's kept a clean sheet at Liverpool somewhere where he's done a couple of errors before, so maybe this is the the start of him really buckling down. Now he's reaching that maturity because. He had quite a few lane spells at Sunderland, but he, you know, to be a Premier League keeper at his age, about twenty-one, I think, you know, that that's a phenomenal ask of anyone. And now it's three years later, and he's twenty-four. He should have at least ten years left at the, the elite level. Um, he's he's really got to buckle down now, and, and I think he's a bit more aware now. Of he's got potential. He he's got. That's the thing. He's still a young keeper, and keepers don't come into their prime until thirties, really. And as a United fan, I should be thanking him because. His uh, clearing out of Virgil van Dijk at the start of the season has started a massive derailment for Liverpool, which I'm thoroughly enjoying. However, as an England number one, and with such promising talents coming through England and having that hope for the first time in a major tournament, and then seeing how many errors Pickford 
you know, produces. It's a little bit worrying that he's considered <laughs> the number one. He's never without done a even... for England, though, is he? No, and he's he's he'll always be the keeper that that won us the penalty shootout against Colombia, rightly or wrongly. Um, you know, the, we we were I was the first person at University of Birmingham to graduate after England won a penalty shootout, and that's thankfully well partly down to Jordan Pickford. So that'll always be a nice little memory. But is he good enough to be England number one? Currently? I think no, you know, I think Pickford, as you mentioned, he gets a lot of media scrutiny, rightly or wrongly. He he has made a lot of mistakes. But one one thing I want to talk about for a little bit is. A bit of Nick Pope appreciation. I think he's comfortably one of the top five keepers in the Premier League right now. And I think he's incredibly underrated. I mean, his stats go and show that. he Last season, he had 52 high claims and the second best was 30 high claims behind him. You know, he's such a commanding keeper. He literally grabs anything that comes into the box. He's a fantastic shot stopper too. He, um, has, one, he has the second highest save percent in the Premier League behind Edison. And, you know, he's also kept out the most amount of expected goals behind Alfonso Ariola at Fulham. And just going back a bit early in his career, um, when he was at York City, he was loaned to York City in January. They were sitting in 22nd in League Two. Nick Pope got loaned to them and he kept, uh, I think, 15 clean sheets in the second half of the season. And York City, after they signed Nick Pope, went from 22nd to the playoffs. And unfortunately, he didn't win the playoffs. But, you know, that, that just goes to show like how quality he is. Came back to Cholton, and at Cholton, he had a very, very rough time. Cholton fans were on his back, um, hated him. You know, he he got lambasted by the Cholton fans, and, you know, that knocked his confidence massively. He used to uh, drop balls left, right, and centre, and I think that's something that Pickford's going through right now with everyone on his back. It's playing on his confidence, and, you know, Pope, who's comfortably the highest claimer in the Premier League, when he's at Cholton, fans were on his back, confidence knocked. He couldn't catch a, a anything, so... Well, yeah, exactly. You know, I, th- I think now in the mod, I think now, <laughs> today, today, I don't think it's a debate. I think the only reason you'd pick Pitford over Pope is kicking. I think Pope is comfortably a much better goalkeeper than Jordan Pickford. And if you have Pope in net over Jordan Pickford, you'd save a couple more goals at the Euros. I, uh... So where do you think where do you think Pope goes next? Because let's be real, I completely agree with you, but he's better than. Burnley, but then does he move to somewhere and, and lose that confidence again if he has a couple of... Because this is the debate, isn't it? Pickford looked good at Sunderland. He's moved to Everton. Everyone's criticising him. Will Pope go through a similar thing if he gets a big move? Very possibly. But then you look at the teams in the Prem where he could go for a big move and you think Chelsea have spent, what, 100 million on two keepers. United... I don't, I don't, see, gonna... anyone in the, I don't see anyone in the top... <sighs> I uh, to be honest, when I look at that table, I go Palace, uh, uh, Wood, Southampton. I go Tottenham. West to Ham. What about West Ham? If West Tottenham's Ham's my first um, call. Get Europe. Thirty-six-year-old Fabianski. Is he out of contract to, as well yeah. at the end of the season? Um, you know, I think I think Nick Pope could go to West Ham. It's, it's... Yeah, but you're, you're relying on West Ham spending a lot of money, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Tottenham is probably the Tottenham is probably one of the best places he could go because I really don't rate Hugo Lloris as a keeper and he's getting on a bit now. But what, at, is at the same time, I 34? think it's silly that he needs this move for him to be England number one. I think he's comfortably proven he's a better keeper than Pickford. You know, any I think most people who are clued up in football will have Nick Pope in their top five keepers in the Premier League. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think he should have to move to break as into England as number one. But unfortunately, 
players that play for bigger teams in the Premier League generally get selected over players that play for, you know, worse teams. I don't think he's moving to be England's number one. I I think he's, I think he sort of knows that ship sailed a bit because I I think he's moving because there's a scenario where Deitch leaves this summer and Burnley are in a bit of a mess and he's going to go, I'm not getting, I'm not getting relegated when I've got potentially top half teams interested in him and he wants to see how, how high he can get at the league yeah don't blame him either I mean the takeover at Burnley is very questionable it's very much like the Glazer takeover except with no potential uh, well no real potential to make as much money because it's Burnley and not Man United with no disrespect to Burnley fans but it's it's not the same money making machine that United that where they get the money? How, how much I mean how, how much do you think Nick Pope is worth if they, if someone 50. Bids, I don't know. Not 50. 50. But if someone... Before before, before COVID, 50 If million. someone comes in and goes, he is 25 for Nick Pope. I think, that's, I, I think they'll take it. I think it's an undervalue of him, though. But then again, a transfer fee is going to go down as a result of COVID, very possibly. And he's a keeper, which I always find this astonishing, right? Until recently, keepers were considerably less expensive than strikers. But keepers are just as important if you want to go win a league title. I'm kind of glad it's evened itself out a little bit with like Allison and Edison and and some of the other ones. Kepper being the bad example, but he went for a lot of money. I think Pope is a miles better keeper than Kepper. Kepper's gone for seventy million. I mean, I there's, think there's no reason pre-pandemic why he wouldn't be worth that much. If I'm honest, is, you know, Kepper is a little bit younger than Pope, and he's, he's also, also called, English tax as well. He's also English called Kepper Balaga, and you know Nick Pope. He looks a bit like what's his face from Ice Edge, and he's he's, he's unorthodox. He's gangly. <laughs> he, he just he doesn't look. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a he's great effective. keeper, but he can't do what a lot of big clubs want keepers to do, and that is mess around with the ball at the back. That's that's not Pope's game. Pope's game is being a goalkeeper. It's not being a passer. And you know, I think in terms of shot stopping and claiming crosses, Pope's one of the best in the world, which is. Which is a weird thing to say, but then in terms of being an all-round goalkeeper as required in the modern era, he's he's not one of the best in the world just because he he's not that good at playing it out of the bat. Could you see a weird situation happening where Pickford leaves Everton and Pope goes to Everton? Would that would that make Everton a top four contender with Pope rather than Pickford? Personally, I mean, I don't I know how much difference it makes. I do think Pope keeps out more goals per season than Pickford in the same team, but it's just how much that fires a team up the table, really. I mean, he did it at York City, but that's a different story to Everton in the Premier League, isn't it? But in fairness, Everton need competition at goalkeeper. They've not had it, have they? they I mean, they had Joel Robles from fucking Wigan not long ago as their number two. Robin I don't know who the number two Robin is now. Olsen. It's some kid, isn't it? Sweden's number one now. Well, <laughs> oh, I mean, Jesus. Like, he needs... Pickford needs that competition because De Gea, I'm going to use a United example again, has been poor for since the World Cup. He's he's been a bit better this season with Henderson breathing down his neck, and I think Pickford could use that serious competition. That if you don't perform, you're not going to be my number one, because that Olsen guy, whoever's at Everton as a number two at the minute, he came in and didn't exactly set the world alight, did he? He was at fault for one of the goals against United. It was poor. I mean, he's not really serious competition for. But him. then when you talk about spending money on, on goalkeepers. All right, Man City, they spent that money on Bravo. They went out and got Edison. Chelsea. Uh, um, Kepa, Courtois, Kepa. Mendy. Well, he had Kepa to Mendy was was what they spent 
you know, a lot of money on two goalkeepers. Everton spent thirty million on Pickford, even if that was four years ago now. Who, what are you saying? Everton going to spend thirty million on another keeper? But this is what I'm saying. They this can't is my initial argument. To do it. But that's my initial argument is they won't drop him because they've spent money on him. They're going to they persevere with him, and he's younger. That's what. No, but that's what I'm saying. They won't. They won't go and spend money on another keeper. But could it possibly be that he moves on and they bring someone else in? That's the most likely. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know who would, who would gamble on Pickford. But you know, one club that might in a couple of seasons after firing their way back to the Premier League after a huge takeover in the last week is uh, Sunderland. Alex, do you want to tell us a bit about that and your predictions for the future for Sunderland? Well, it's been something that's been going on for a little while. I think a few people were quite surprised when it came up that, you know, the deal had been done. Um, Essentially, this this 23-year-old is a billionaire due to his father's, his father and his family's wealth. Uh, He's called Kirill Louis-Dreyfus and uh, his dad was owner of Marseille until he um, unfortunately passed away in 2009. And uh, over that time, Marseille won the, the Champions League and, and multiple trophies. As, and I think were the, the most successful team in France until PSG came along recently. Um, but yeah, it, basically, we've been looking for an owner ever since we lost the, a, a playoff final to uh, <laughs> someone's team on this pod. And uh, we've had a couple of false dawns. And now it seems like this this is... Well, it didn't seem like it. It's now finally over the line and it was just quite a week. He's been at the last couple of games. He, he was there for the match against Lincoln that saw us get to Wembley. And, you know, when we're talking about um, when I mentioned Pickford making that save against Leicester about four years ago now, you know, this seems like one of the most positive weeks since, since you know, we got a couple of wins before Christmas in the Premier League, really. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably a bit sad that that's the case, but... Uh, Obviously, he's, you know, it's not all about the money. You've got to have a lot firmer things than that. But he had a say in who the new manager was going to be and uh, has been pulling the strings behind the scenes for the last month or so. Um, he appointed a director of football as well. That obviously is all the all the craze at the minute. And um, Apart from United, unfortunately. Well, indeed. Um, and I suppose maybe this is where clubs you see start coming through the leagues that's where they have an advantage because a lot of clubs don't see a point in in having one. Um, Man United have obviously had their troubles. They say they were going to get one and then didn't. But um, nah, it's just it's just a full guy, Fred Woodward. That's all that is. But but then you know for for us, I think I don't think this director of footballer is a full uh, director of football is a full guy. I think he's he, he's there and, and they're trying to implement some long term strategy because. If there's any club that's shown the boom and bust of the Premier League and its riches, it's it's Sunderland, isn't it? So if we can get back to you know being a competitive team in the Championship on a more sustainable footing than when we left the division, then I think he, he'll have done a, a very good job as an owner. Like I said, his family do a footballing expertise. The question marks will be he's 23. But um, if you can't be positive about a takeover, then you know when, when can you be positive? So, do you think Donald? I know this is a bit of a long-winded question. I don't want a long and long answer. Well, it's an open question, even. Do you think Donald was a success for you? Because he seems to have balanced the books. I mean, he made some ridiculous signings like Will Grigg um, in the moment, but he, he seems to have made a lot of positive changes. And now he's helped bring in another owner or another majority shareholder who's, who looks like he could be bringing 
on the face of it, some good times back to Sunderland. So I, did, I know you got a lot of stick from fans, but do you think he did a good job? Well, well, I suppose the one thing I did forget to say is is Donald and Methven and, and Sartori are still there. They're still going yep. to about 40, I think it's about 40%. Um, the fact is, Donald didn't get any stick from when he took over in May 2018. Uh, stick from the majority of people, I mean, um, until about Christmas 2019. Um I mean, you say he he you know he, he cleared the debt and things like that. Sure, had a long had a big say to, to in in that by wiping it clean in a way. He spent the Greek money, which no one criticised him at the time. To be fair, if it's everyone said you know, do you want to do you want Will Grigg to fire you out of League One? I don't think anybody's saying no. Um, but unfortunately, you know. You know, there's a few things that have gone on, obviously, and um, it, it got to the point where you know, like he kept Parkinson on for so long, and how he's bought the club, where he's allegedly still uh, he bought the club using parachute payments because he doesn't actually have a lot of money himself, and he still owes the club about. Well, the last time he admitted how much he had to, left to pay was twelve million. Um, there were concerns, you know, we'd do a Rangers or something like that. So, I mean, he avoided that, but obviously we don't know how true things are. And whilst he's still around, you, you know, you're not sure what role he's going to play. But um, the real issue was he, he really didn't have the finances behind him. And the people he brought in, like Sartori, didn't either. And uh, I know it's a bit long-winded, but uh, I think, unfortunately, you're only going to be able to see in hindsight. You know, everyone thought Short did quite a good job. On the whole, until the last year or so, last two years of his ownership. So I think it's a bit early to say, but uh, you don't really want to hold too much hard feeling for these people, really, because obviously there's a personal level to it as well. And, and you can't say that these people didn't try their best. And, you know, had we managed to beat Charlton in that player final, absolutely nobody would have complained. A, a question for you now do. is I mean, obviously, you'd love to go up this season, but looking more long term, do you think you're ready for the championship? Would you like to go up this season and, you know, may, maybe have an average season in the championship and potentially even get relegated? Would you like to have another season in League One where you can build a good League One squad that's going to storm the league and come in the automatic places in League One and then go into the championship with an established squad under this new owner and new regime and then build a better championship squad and push on from there? Because I think it's a question that uh, Charlton are facing to the season that I mean Charlton aren't gonna go out this season almost definitely. But you know, I, I think, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. A promotion this season for Charlton could be too early and could just see us come straight back down, which is the last thing we'd want. Uh well I think with Charlton you saw you saw last year what, what could happen. Um to be honest with with Sunderland the big thing is is we've got about 18 players out of contract this summer. So, are you telling me now, we go up and we're able to sign a load of championship players, are you telling me we're going to spend another minute in this <laughs> horrible league? <laughs> I'm yeah. afraid I have to say we have to get promoted. Um, because what a shocking we, response. Well, I know, but, it's, but you know, I understand the builder squad. Um, if you told me, go up this year and come straight back down, or stay down another year, but you'll definitely go up the next year, then I'm, I might look at that, but you can't guarantee me we'd go up. Um, we'll stay up. 
Well, well, I, well, I still don't. Like I said, I, I don't think we've got a squad anywhere near good enough. We haven't even got a squad good enough at the minute to compete with the automatics of League One. When you look at the struggles of the sides that have gone up last season, you know it shows the, the gulf in, in the two divisions. But uh, you know, no one's dreaming of the Premier League. Well, I'm certainly not just yet. It's uh, we we need to get out of League One, and uh, if he can give us the stable ownership that we need. Then uh, that that's obviously the best way to do it because you've seen how clubs can take off once they've got that stable ownership under them because we've been under a black. You know, yeah, it's, a it's black definitely exciting times long. at Sunderland, and it's exciting times in a uh, European football in general. A lot of people have been talking about where football's going to go now that Ronaldo and Messi are, are kind of stepping off the scene a bit. They've obviously still got a few years left in them, but with the emergence of Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland, there's Exciting times in football ahead. Do you guys think um, that's a battle that's going to last for the next decade or so? And if so, who who do you think is better? Um, and who should go all out to get them? Because realistically, Mbappe, if he wants to become a world-class player, should not stay at PSG. And likewise, you'd argue the same for Haaland at Dortmund. He, he probably needs to play in La Liga or the Premier League. See, I'd, I'd love to see them both in the Prem. I, I would absolutely... I don't... I'm not really bothered about where they go. That we want the best players in the Premier League. Obviously, I'd love either one of them. I'd take either one. I'd, of them. I'd, I'd take both world class players well, at such a young age. Them. Well, exactly. But but who's that's very very I mean, different that's players. It's question. kind of like a Mbappe argument. Mbappe's done it. For, well, yeah, Mbappe's done it for longer, I guess. Um, and so you probably go with him, and he's won a World Cup. So you I mean, Har- say Harland the, is going to do those, very well on those grounds. He's better. Well, exactly, and it's a bit harsh on him, I've got to say. But he, on mm-hmm. the grounds that Mbappe's done it for a little bit longer in in elite competition, I'd probably go Mbappe. Um, but Erling Haaland is a world class player, and I would absolutely love to see him at United. Should, should you go exactly what we need? Um, I mean, I would. Obviously, I'd, I'd go out all out to get. Well, would have gone all out to get Sancho last year, but United are. United, whether United do, um, isn't is another question. But then you look around, you know, all the teams that could go and get him. I, I don't see many teams spending a lot of money or spending the amount of money they would need to get him at the minute. So could he be at Dortmund for a couple more seasons? Very possibly. Um, Mbappe, unless he, you know, unless he doesn't sign that contract at PSG. And you'd expect him to stay at least until Neymar retires or leaves. I mean, I don't, I don't see why he would leave PSG at the minute because I don't think anybody can afford him. Real Madrid would have been the the obvious, you know, place to go, but they are seemingly having financial troubles. I don't think he'd want to go to Barca because you know they're falling off a cliff, and Messi looks like he's all but gone. Would Mbappe come to the Premier League? I mean, very possibly. Who of the Premier League teams could get him? You'd probably say only City. Would he be a success at City? Absolutely. Would I hate to see that? Absolutely. Um, I mean, it, it really does depend on who's going to spend the money. And unfortunately, in the middle of a pandemic, that's yeah, a very difficult question enough. to answer. So I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, he's, they're both world class yeah, players, but I'd say Mbappe shades it for me. I guess as well, do these players, sorry, do, do these elite players want to come to the Premier League? Because, you know, Haaland was actually I mean, it's disgraceful Southgate's uh, um, not so got, got on that, really. Uh, I mean, obviously, he'd never play for England, but... <laughs> no, but I was more going to say... You'd... 
Well, no, I mean, I mean, obviously he's going to end up at Leeds United in the summer. But um, so it's yeah. strange things have happened, mate. He's supposedly a Leeds fan. But um, I mean, yeah, look, he's he's getting a goal a game in the league. He's he scored another two in the Champions League this week. Um, so I think those two are the, now the two youngest two youngest players, aren't they, to have scored as many goals as they have in the Champions League at their age? Mbappe. Like you say, who affords him? I think PSG are going to say, come on, you're only young. Give us a couple of years to win us a Champions League and you can go wherever you want. Haaland, it just seems to me weird how there's, he's always got a buyout clause. It's like yeah. he's, he's already going, yeah, I'll stay with you for two years maybe, but I'm, I'm off as soon as you know I go to that elite level. And to be fair, he he's might already be hitting it. You just hope that he... Um, these players maintain it because you know, you know the, the bar that's been set by Ronaldo and Messi is, is awfully high, and you just think these these kids coming onto the scene, nothing seems to face. Yeah, them I think I agree all. with with both of you there. I think realistically they they probably need moves, but it's it's whether or not anyone can afford them. You know, they they're both insane talents, and to have these two up and coming talents, just as Ronaldo and Messi are kind of going off towards their retirement it's, it's it's great to see because we've been kind of worried that you know who's going to be that star in football and as Dan mentioned I think Mbappe probably edges it he's, he's done it for a bit longer and um, he's won a World Cup but Haaland's definitely got the potential to match it and you know who knows they could even end up at the same team I think that's very financially unviable but you'd, you'd absolutely love to see that and I'd love to see both of them in the Premier League at some time because we missed out on Messi in the Premier League, and we didn't have Ronaldo for for too long, and not really at the peak of his career. So to get those two into the Premier League and see them uh, in action would be fantastic. But yeah, I think that's a very tough question on who's better out of those two. And I understand we've got a few more tough questions coming up. Is that right, Alex? Uh, I believe so. So was it did Dan get his his title back last time? Was it? Yeah, it's two one on games to me. So round four of Alex Lection's hardest ever football quiz. We will start with Dan, fabulous, the reigning champion, of course. Of um, course. So my question to you is: Aston Villa equaled their twenty nineteen twenty points tally after how many matches this season? Oh God! I've got to know the points tally though. That's well, they stayed. Me the they points just stayed tally, up, right? So working out. Third. Well, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be thirty for forty something. Oh God! What did they get in terms of points on the grounds that they probably got forty odd points? Um, not many more. Actually, no. Did they get forty odd points? I'm going to go off the, on the grounds that they got 40, 40 points. Um, and that's that's a guess. Um, I currently don't know what they're on. Actually, uh, the question's how many games though? Not the yeah. I know it's how many. <laughs> I know it's how many games. But I'm trying to think how many they're on at the minute because they've been on a pretty bad run of form. So you're telling? Hang on. So you're telling me they got? They've already got forty points this year. I'm saying, saying they've already equaled their points tally of last year. And I'm calling that as bollocks, if I'm perfectly honest. Well, he's they're not 40 points that they have. Might have well, points tally. I, I, I would like, I would, I would like the viewers to check that at this point because I think that's total bullshit. 
Um, you're right. You're talking I, to yourself here. Do, do we yeah. really have to? Do you have to cut this down? They did no, not was... get forty points. Okay, fine. So I'm gonna say <laughs> I'm gonna say twenty-one games. Well, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> They're now on 36, by the way, having got a point more than last year's points tally. So, Dan's um, <laughs> obviously set a high bar there, Luke. I'm sorry, Luke. I mean, I, I don't know why you're debating the fact that they've <laughs> already got past their points only last season. Because Alex, <laughs> Alex is literally telling you that's half. I don't know why it's right, so I'm unbelievable. Gonna, I'm they gonna probably Google stayed it. up on like 34, 35 points. And, <laughs> and there are more than that this season. Say five. Oh well. Anyway, I've got to the right answer with the with the wrong working out. It's you know sums up my maths ability, Fair GCSE maths for me. But there you go. Well, the you would have any points for working it out. To be honest. <laughs> um, so for Luke, my question is: This year, Southampton went on their record losing run in the league, um, ended by their one-one draw with Chelsea. Can you tell me how many? Right. So I am they actually. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to have to work this out. So I know well, from watching the game against Chelsea, the commentators said when Tuchel took over, both teams were on 29 points. Uh, since then, Southampton are still on 29 and Chelsea are on 42, um, which would suggest to me that if Chelsea are on 42 from 29, that's 13, that's four wins and a draw. Five games, which means Southampton have gone at, at least a five-game streak. It's just, it's just whether or not it's going to be more than five games. I don't think it's going to be too much more than five games. So I'm going to go for six games. I think he's right. I think it's six. Oh, and I also think that. he's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I heard that on the game as well. I'm pretty sure I heard that. So my question for Dan, which team has lost the most amount of away matches in a Premier League season, losing oh. 17 of 19? And the answer is not Derby County. Yeah, that was going to be a... Oh, God. It's not Derby County. Oh, it's not um, 17 out of 19. United this year, is it? Have they played 17 out of 19 oh, away games? Done? I don't, I, I don't, I don't care. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going Sheffield United. Well, to be fair, it could have been Sheffield United in back in the day, 93, 94, or, or 607. I was thinking more of 607 with, well, with um, Johnny Elker and Paddy so. Kenny. Um, that's uh, didn't start. I'm going to go Sheffield down. United. It is. It's not Sheffield United. Does, does that mean it rolls to Luke, or does Luke get a different question? Up to you. You decide. I don't really. Okay. Um, Luke, do you want to guess? You can take Dan's point if you want. First to three. Oh, I, so I have no idea. So I'm going to go for a team that's also had a Derby County S season and go for Sunderland. I'm afraid to say that Sunderland do not claim this prize. Uh, it is, in fact, back in 2009-10. Oh. 
and it was Burnley. Interesting. The same Burnley team that beat us with Robbie Brady, not Robbie Brady, with Robbie Blake. Indeed, but that was at Turf Moor, mm. so can't blame him for that. It was. It was, yeah. It was a Turf Moor one now. Um, so, back to Dan. One one Back to Dan. Now questions each. Oh, it's, it's, over, it's over to Luke, I'm pretty oh, sure. Over to Lu- oh, yeah, because Luke, yeah, I'll pass on that. Uh, so my question to Luke, Luke to steal the advantage. Who is the only UEFA member to enter one club into European competitions? Right, the thing. Year? Right, right. I, I understand, understand the question, question, but it's just whether or not I'm going to rattle off a few. Because then, if I try and rattle off a few, then Dan might just pick up one of the ones that I'm rattling off as a guess. Uh, Oh, this this is basically one one country only enters one team into either into any European competition, so the Europa League or the Champions League. So they only enter one team into the qualifying stage. Yeah, this is this is every year. Me. Um, okay. I feel like I should know this. I feel like the one the very obvious one. I don't think it is that. I I don't think it's it's them because I Trey Fialana and the the lads from. Uh, San Marino, I feel like they've they've got more than one team. Um God, who could it be? Uh, this is this is gonna annoy me. It's got Well it's, well, it's got, got it's, be, it should be, like be a very Eastern small European country in or... Europe, but a San Marino type of country, but I don't think it's San Marino. Um I feel like it might be might be one of the more might okay, be more obscure than that in the fact that it might not really even be a small country. It might be one of the borderline Asian countries, but I'm going to hazard a guess at Andorra. Andorra ah. is not correct. <sighs> over that to means pass, passes over to me, and I've got no fucking clue. Andorra was actually on top of mine. On, I had Andorra on there, I had Liechtenstein on there, and I had. Well, listen more about a team with Yeah, but it's whether they've had one. Well, team. I think it's based on the coefficient, right? So whoever's the I'm on the basis that. Well, on that basis, then I'm going to go Liechtenstein because you've already taken Andorra and Luxembourg just I mean, FC out, and I've not got a fucking scoozy. Well, I'm I'm going Alex. I'm going with Liechtenstein. Lichtenstein oh. is correct. No fucking way. <laughs> they don't have oh, a national league. So is it, it FC is the winner they not of from Lichtenstein? Oh, do they play in the Swiss league? They play in the Swiss league and they're from Lichtenstein. I believe... Oh, no. I... Yeah, yes. Yes, because but what, Lichtenstein but doesn't have a league. They're in the European league. That's, That's why they play. They're in the Europa League and they're from Lichtenstein, even though they play in the Swiss league. So there's two teams there. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not a. Um, they can't be a member of the Liechtenstein. Hey, they come there if they're playing in the. They are in this question. Just like... So surely, but he's right though, isn't it? But Produce, that's not Lichten, the... But that's not Liechtenstein entering them into the competition, though. So the which which team is it that Liechtenstein enter? It, the 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 cup winners who get knocked out in July. Fuck me. I apologise for that, Luke, because that is a disgusting answer and a disgusting question. 
Um, so that's two one Dan. Uh, yeah. Question back to Dan for the win to make it three one on games. Um. <laughs> oh God! I don't like your laugh on this. In December 2020, Manchester United became only the second side in Premier League history to score two or more goals in nine consecutive away games. Whose feet were they matching? Oh, I should know that. Oh, I'm sure I heard this as well. Why do I have a gut feeling it's fucking Leeds? Why? Why? Is it, why? Because it can't be. Oh, it's going to kill me. It's surely got to be a top team, but I have a re- I have a really sneaky feeling. I heard on the TV it was Leeds in like, and I'm thinking like. When they were good, when they had Ferdinand and Batty and not Batty, Backer, um, and all those Bowyer and Milner and Robinson, Martin. Um, but it can't be. It has to be a bigger team, surely. City have probably done it at some point. Oh, do you know what? I'm gonna go with my gut, Alex, because I, 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 I have a sneaky feeling it's Leeds. I'm gonna go Leeds. I'm going to take you back to April 2001. Oh, I might be then. With the answer being David O'Leary's... It is, it's fucking Leeds. Come on. It's Leeds. So, that's 3-1 to Dan. Um... I guess, Luke, do you want a final question? I mean, I've lost. There's not much point, really, is there? Sure. Well, we'll move on. We'll move. I'm I'm afraid to say that Dan has won for. Well, you know, all congratulations to Dan Robert. That's uh, three out of four now. I've got to say that that Lichtenstein question, which I mean, won I, that was a I, disgusting. I, question. I, the thing is, in my head, I had <laughs> FC Vaduz, who are a decent disgusting. team and usually do okay in the qualification. And then I'm thinking they're from Liechtenstein, but then I'm thinking, oh shit, actually they're from they play in Switzerland. So I, I should have thought of that and then thought it's probably Liechtenstein, but yeah, it did click for me. Yeah, because oh, well, when when it, they do, you, play, know, you got next week to, re- to regain badge rather than the Swiss badge. So, so it's a it's a very naughty question. Well, yeah, to be that was it. I mean, I got quite lucky because Andorra were on my list as well, as I said. Um, so that was that was again another another fluky one. Whereas the Leeds one was had a bit more fact to it. I'd actually heard that before. So that's, that's unfortunate for you. I, I, I'm sure my uh, my luck on educated guesses will eventually come to an end quite abruptly. So I look forward to next week's quiz and, and yeah. trying to. Well, we still have you know, build an unassailable. Us, Alex, do you want to remind us of it? Uh, indeed. So, how many red cards have there been in the Merseyside derby in the Premier League era? You're allowed right, to. Right, what has been in what? Like 58, 57, 59 games between the two. So, 
what percent of games in a Merseyside derby will have had a red card? I, I don't know if saying a quarter is too high or not. But I guess there's also occasions where two players have a fight and there's more than one red card. So I'm, I'm just going to go for a quick guess. I'm going to go for a bit that might seem a bit high, but I'm going to go for 18. In about 15, 18, games. 18 red cards. Oh, I'm going to go can't higher. Be, can't be an odd, an e, an odd number. 58 then. It's got to be even, season. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should get it for that alone. Um, I'm going to go higher than you. I'm going to say it's in the 20s. I'm going to go cool. absolutely ballsy and Fair go somewhere like That's 27. Fine. The correct answer is... Ooh. 20. Oh, Luke was closest. I don't know if any of you have particularly memorable one. I always remember... Um, Phil Neville being sent off for <laughs> suddenly becoming a goalkeeper on the line in one of them. <laughs> he might have been sent off twice, actually. I I'm pretty he sure might... he has been sent off twice. He went. I thought he went flying through Gerrard or something. On I think Gerrard's been sent but, off. Uh, Surely Carrig has been sent off in one of them. Gerard, Gerard's been sent off. Um, and if you want Carrick, to find I'm out surely. who the, if you want to find out who the rest are, you can do BBC Sports Quiz this week on the twenty. Players two there we go. In a Merseyside derby. <laughs> so uh, I hope uh, I hope these questions were tough enough for you. Clearly not for Dan. So we're going to have to up the ante <laughs> for next week. Please don't. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening as always, uh, and um, that's it from us. I guess um, I... <laughs> have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Farewell. Take care. That's it. Oh, Alfie, design. <laughs>